Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on, Buffs fans? Welcome into an impromptu off-season version of the Buffs Nation podcast. Didn't think we'd be here last time we said goodbye. I am Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, what's going on, man? Uh, Tyler, not a lot. Like you said, we are uh, kind of a shock that we're here where we are right now, but we got some things we need to talk, some things to uh, hash out right now. Yes, we do. Of course, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, lots happening in the Colorado football community the last couple weeks. And as I said, when we said goodbye at the end of the season, I thought we'd be picking things right back up in, what, August, September, saying hello to the Buffs fans, getting back in, new season. Lots of things to be excited about, and uh, here we are. What's the date today? It is the 16th, February 16th, and uh, off-season edition of the Bus Nation podcast. So. How quickly things turn in our minds, don't they? Yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, obviously, Mel Tucker leaving the university. The headline the last couple of weeks, and this is all uh, prompted us to get in here, like we said, get into the studio and give you guys an off-season podcast. So I want to start here, Jared. We do this podcast because we both love the Buffs. When we, uh, obviously this is a Woos Media podcast. Woos Media has all kinds of different podcasts, but this one has a place near and dear to my heart, to Jared's hearts, because we grew up loving the University of Colorado. We've been going to CU football games pretty much our entire lives. I mean, I was I was raised on CU football. I've said this before time and time again, you know, I was raised in Denver. I like all the Denver teams, but the difference in the buffs, it's, it's this. If the Broncos, the Avs, the Rockies... Win a championship, right? Win a, wor- a World Series, a Stanley Cup, whatever it may be. I cheer. I go nuts. When the Broncos won the Super Bowl, right? I was I was in Las Vegas, and after they won it, man, I was hooting and hollering, going around, partying. There was everybody who did. Not one person around me didn't know how happy I was, right? If the Colorado Buffaloes, when they did before, when they do again, and yes, not if, when they do again, when the, when the Buffaloes win their next national title, whether it's in Three years, five years, or 50 years, if I'm still lucky enough to be kicking. I will weep like a little baby in front of the TV for God knows how long. I love the Buffs. The Buffs are by far my favorite team of any sport ever. I love CU football. That's why we love this show. I don't want to speak for you, Jared. I don't know. I know you love the Broncos, things like that, but CU is my number one team. That's why, we, why I love doing this show. Yeah, of course. It's They, they have our hearts, you know, and, and that's been that way since you and I were, were little boys watching these guys, you know, in the early 90s in their heyday, and, and we've gotten a chance to see the highs and the lows, and we've we've been with them. We felt that in our, in our hearts. You feel it when they're high, and you feel it when they're low, and, and you and I both came away from this last season just really feeling feeling so great about well, well there was lots to be happy about and, and we'll get there but the reason i bring up our love for cu and that and this and that and, and how we were raised on all that is there may be some things that are inevitably said on today's podcast that may rub some people the wrong way and i want to get it out there that i am so pro cu you're not going to meet anybody who loves cu more than i do but we're going to be real and that's the thing about this podcast there are plenty of outlets out there if you love the buffs to hear nothing but raw raw for the buffs but one thing we promised when we started the show is we weren't going to be fanboys we weren't going to get on here and say oh the buffs are doing great no matter what we're going to be honest with you guys and if there's stuff that cu needs to work on whether it's on the field or off the field we're always going to be honest about that and guess what when CU's doing great and there's not a whole lot to complain about we're going to be happy we're going to get in here and it's all going to be great but when there are things going bad going wrong things that we think need to be changed we're going to be honest i think that the the, audi- the audience appreciates that i think that you know the listeners sure like that 
I'll throw out one name right there right now, and I don't want to be inflammatory. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to cause anything because we love the university, and, and I've worked with people at the university, namely uh, Neil Welk. He writes for CUBuffs.com. When I worked in radio at uh, Greeley, Colorado, it was thirteen ten KFKA. I had Neil on once a week, and for those who don't know, Neil Welk is a fantastic writer for CUBuffs.com. He works at the university. He's got an office right down the hallway from the CU football coach, and so look. CUBuffs.com is a great outlet for diehard fans who only want pro CU stuff. If you're if you only want pro CU, I recommend go to CUBuffs.com. They've got great articles, a lot of good info, but you're never going to get the truth, in my opinion, right? They you're, put a spin that's exactly. always a positive you're, spin on you're everything. You're never going to hear how real fans are thinking or what's really going on. And that's what we pride ourselves on with this podcast. We're not beholden to any companies, any any shareholders, any coaches, any athletic directors, we say the truth and we mean it. So there may be some things that we say on this podcast that may come across the wrong way, may offend some people, but no one thing. We both love the buffs. We just want to be honest. So I wanted to start off there. And I also want to say that I do believe that CU has what it takes to eventually compete at the highest level in college football. That means along the lines of Alabama, Clemson, whoever. Okay, But really when it gets down to this whole Mel Tucker fiasco, Jared, I'm not really mad at Mel Tucker for leaving. I'm mad the way he did it. And I want to be very clear about this distinction because I feel like a lot of CU fans are hurt right now, as I am, okay? My feelings are hurt. My ego is hurt as a CU fan. But let's be clear about something. Mel Tucker could have left, and I could have been 100% okay with it. If he announces that, Maybe he's, you don't have to say, no, guys, I'm going to shop around. I'm not going to be here forever, right? But you don't come out on Twitter and back the buffs and promise you're going to be here and say there's unfinished business, right? There are certain ways to handle things in life. And I think he handled it completely the wrong way. And and I can't agree with you there in saying I wouldn't be mad. I would have been equally as mad about him leaving, but my anger would have been less directed towards Mel Tucker and it would have been more directed probably towards the university and some of the reasons why he left because I can't knock the guy. He's getting offered twice the salary, twice the salary for his coaching staff. They're investing in towards him. His his career started at Michigan State. I get all of those things. So had he just, like you said, had he had he gone about it a different way and maybe just downplayed it through, through the process and, hey, I'm not talking about that, not talking about that, and it ends up leaving, I'd probably sit in here and be going, why isn't CU paying their coaches? Why is this university? Why did they not match that money? Why did they not come back? But when he sits there and comes back, adamantly on several different platforms day after day. I mean, I'm talking luncheons. I'm talking Twitter. I'm talking press conferences and says clearly and distinctly. I actually have a quote right here. It says from Mel Mel Tucker says, quote, I am really excited about what we're building here at CU. The first year was about culture shift and now it is about the build. I'm laser focused at the task at hand. End quote. That's what pisses you off. Well, and and that's, that's exactly the thing. Is It's all about how he did it. And, and look, even if he didn't come out during the Michigan State stuff and, and, and back CU, I still don't think he handled it correctly. Look, he didn't even address the team. He didn't even talk to Rick George, okay? When you leave a job, when you leave a relationship, when you, there are certain ways to do these things in life. 
It, it's it's not it, with this whole situation. I mean, I see guys across the Twitter world, whether they're in Colorado or on you know different national outlets, saying, "What is everyone in CU upset with? This was bound to happen. He he's, he was raised in the South or in Big Ten country. CU's now. I mean, of course he got more money, right? It's not the what. It's the how. It's and and I I know there's a lot of fans out there who may say no that's ridiculous you sign a job you sign the dotted line you should be here for a certain amount I don't think that, that that's really the case I think college football is a a, a finicky world it's a it's an atmosphere where coaches are always on the move I mean now it seems players are always on the move you know so this isn't really out of character for college football but what's terrible about this whole thing is the way he went about it he was this is why everyone's hurt right now why I am. He manipulated CU to get what he wanted, and then once he once he got what he wanted, he said, "Screw you guys, good luck, I'm out of here." You know, it was all about him in the end. It was a great Drew Litton uh, 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 cartoon. It, it said uh, integrity, and it was Mel Tucker reading it like he's at the eye doctor, and he goes, "It's all about me." You know, that's how this came across. It didn't come across, and, and I know you you mentioned Jared. Look, he's getting more money, things like that, but it, it came across as he was snake-like. He did everything behind the scenes. If you're going to leave university, you got to address the team, got to address the athletic director, handle things like a a, a man. I'm used to swearing on some of the other podcasts. I almost, <laughs> let, one, <laughs> I almost let one fly there. I, but, I, I was going to ask you, can we, can we make this one? Uh, I, I don't nope. know if I can hold back. So got to be good for the families, Jared. <laughs> but he didn't do any of that. He backpedaled, promised his loyalty, went on iHeartRadio, declared his love for Colorado, pointed out, not only that, he pointed out the unfair angles the media was putting on the story. Not only did Melk Tucker come out on iHeartRadio and say he's a buff, uh, he has unfinished business, he was upset with the media. Oh, the media paid all these pictures, these unfair angles. I don't have a, the right to speak for myself. Well, you know what, Mel Tucker? Your actions did speak for yourself. As I said, there's a way to do things. And one thing I've learned in life is that, unfortunately, I mean, actions are so much more apparent than what people say, right? How many times in life do you have to get burned, whether it's business or relationships? People talk. Everybody likes to say the right thing. You know, everyone's good in the job interview. And everything Mel Tucker preached over the last 14 months was exactly the opposite of what his actions showed over the last week and a half. He preached about the culture you bring in and how CU checked all the boxes and how everything that he wanted, this was what and this the whole time was. he had one eye looking out. Yes. You know, like I said to you, he was in a relationship, but he was still on, twi- on Tinder. You said that to <laughs> me and I just laughed. And, and, and then, you know, what's funny is that we, we had this discussion just for the audience to hear. We, we, when this first came out, we all remember it came out and then then Mel Tucker came out the, the 24 hours later and said, nope, not taking it. I appreciate it, but not going to take it. Uh, and, and that's when you and I had that discussion. You said, yeah, this is like we just caught him on, on Tinder. And, and he said, oh, well, I'm just flattered. And All you know right. what's funny, Tyler? I thought about it after the fact. We're the girlfriend that said, oh, okay, I'm so sorry to have accused you yeah. of that. <laughs> I, I totally trust and believe in you. That's how foolish we all were as fans. Exactly. Because we did. We bought it so quickly when he came out and shot it down we said oh good good he's not going anywhere you know take take a deep breath it's all okay and and i think that we all needed to have had a little bit more foresight with this one that's why everyone that look that's why it hurts man he promised he promised he was there it's like being in a relationship you with someone no i love you i promise are you sure you've been acting distant i promise i'm never going anywhere 
and then she wakes up the next morning and you're gone. You know, I mean, that's that's the same thing. I'll, I'll read that. T- that's a tweet you're uh, referencing on February yes. 8th, Mel Tucker's official Twitter account. Quote, while I am flattered to be considered for the head coaching job at Michigan State, I am committed to the Colorado Buffs football program for the build of our program, its great athletes, coaches, and supporters. Hashtag unfinished business. Hashtag go Buffs. We are relentless. Hashtag culture. Hashtag the build. Now, here's the thing, Jared. He didn't have to do this. No. He clearly knew things were progressing. He was going to ask for more. The report is he turned down the first offer. Guess what he said? Hey, guys, not enough moolah. Up it up. He didn't say, no, guys, I'm above for life. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. All that money. There was always stuff going on behind the scenes. They're actually, uh, I believe I should have the the uh, author here. I, maybe Ryan Konigsberg. I, I yes, don't, that's I, the one. Yeah. I, well, well, well but, but I'm not sure exactly who it was, but I read a report that during the whole time, Mel Tucker behind the scenes was making things happen. You know, he was lying to, to Rick George. He was lying on Twitter. You, this It takes a certain scumbag to do this. It really takes a certain kind of individual to, complete, to, to habitually be lying about the situation and then be doing things in the background. I mean, I hate to keep using this analogy, but again, it's like saying, no, I'm not doing anything while you're actively carrying on a conversation or a relationship in the background. This is just not the right way to go about things. So... I don't want to start beating a dead horse. I don't want to start repeating ourselves. But I'm really upset with the way this all came about. I'm not upset necessarily that he left. Now, as as we started th- things off, I've been watching CU my entire life. I would prefer that you know a coach like Nick Saban come to Colorado and we win titles and he never leaves. But to have that happen is extremely rare. In, in in my mind, I kind of always felt that this probably was a stepping stone job for Mel Tucker, and and we we had discussions about this. Actually, did If the audience remembers going back to the beginning of the season, we actually had discussions about that. That you know what, I can live with that because what this program needs is to get back to relevancy, get back to being a perennial top twenty five team. And you know what, then if a coach says, hey, you know what, I want to take it to the next level, whether that's NFL or getting back to the SEC, whatever it was for him I understand that because he would have left the program in good hands and I want to take this to another angle here because one of the things that bothers me more than anything is Michigan State like really is that a step up that to me is a slap to the face of of CU fans that Michigan State is this job he sought out I don't know if that's it's so much that for two reasons one he has a lot of ties to Big Ten and and he did get his start he got his start at Michigan State and they're doubling his salary so he could be going a lot of different places but you are and 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 the other side of that that angle is is that a good move for Mel Tucker you are now the second best team in the state of Michigan if that you have Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, all these top 10, top 15 perennial teams that you now have to compete with on the field and off the field in recruiting, he legitimately could have been competing for a Pac-12 championship this year. Michigan State is so far away from that, I don't know if he ever gets them there. Uh, Look, I think that's getting down a path that look he may have had... If, let me put it this way. If I go, if I was were a college football coach and I'm off at, at another school and CU offers, you know, it's going to have a special place in my heart. They could they could be saying a lot of things about the program or the X's nose, things like that, right? Now, while Mel Tucker necessarily may not love Michigan State like I love CU, we don't know what he's thinking. And we don't know his ties or what he thinks about the Big Ten or what he thinks about his own abilities. I mean, I'm never going to kill someone for 
taking a bigger job or, 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 you know, taking a job that a lot of people think they may not be qualified for, you know, so I'm actually okay with that. I've taken risks in my own life. I've taken a lot of professional jumps that, that some people may have said wouldn't be advised. And, you know, I'm, I couldn't be happier now where I am. So I'm not going to really knock on him for that. It's a, it's a much more of an uphill battle, but maybe he wanted that, you know? So for those reasons, I mean, it may have been easier next year, but we don't know what the guy's looking for. We don't know what is motivating him, you know? So, so that I've heard a lot of that too. Why East Lansing? What? I, I don't think there's one person on earth who would rather leave, live in East Lansing than Boulder. Right. But look, I mean, he's getting paid twice as much and that money's going to go four times longer than living in Boulder. I mean, think about Good groceries point. and real estate and you're living in East Lansing. That's the, the the toilet of America pretty much. There's like four places who I could put on this. It's like living in Pullman, Washington. You know, who wants to be there? But you know, so, but but you start to question, is it that much money? You know, my mom said that. My mom's a huge CU fan as well. She goes, we're paying him two and a half. He's making five. Is it really worth it? I'm like, well, you can't really yeah, knock anybody. Yeah, it's easy to judge yeah. someone else's one. So yeah. all of that stuff, you know, I don't want to make, at least me, you, you can bring it up. I'm sure a lot of the fans listening right now are, are agreeing with you, but I don't want to make it about that. I'm just upset with the way this guy handled it, and it showed what a true classless scumbag he really is. Like, that's my whole thing, man. It's, let's just be real here, you know? And, and the real thing is, East Lansing is 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 probably more of a lateral move, but that's how we look at it in Boulder, Colorado. And, and I think that's where, from from my take on that 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 topic, is is that kind of just brings you back to earth a little bit when you're just like, huh. Yeah, Michigan State is the move he decided to make. And, and again, I'm not saying specifically that, but to see a coach, you know, you you would hope the only time a coach would leave your program is to go to one of the best, no. most perennially well-respected well programs. And maybe it is a wake-up call. And, and maybe it is a bit of a, hey, and, and, and this is important to say also because, and I feel like, Jared, I feel like I'm almost afraid to say these things because CU Buffs Nation right now is hot, you know? And there are certain times where you want to approach people or fan bases and say certain things, you know? And there may, there may be a time to say things and a time not to say things. But I have to put this out there, okay? Because I feel like there may be a disconnect from what CU is and what CU fans think we are. I mean, I think that in life, there is a real problem of people or companies thinking they are destination jobs when they're not. And their feelings and egos get hurt when someone wants to leave. In the business world, Jared, how many companies do you think are, quote, destination jobs? True, real destination jobs. There's a handful. Yeah, a handful there, there's maybe one or two businesses, maybe three or four in every industry, right? When I was working in radio, you know, I, I and now obviously I own my own company. I'm more podcasting, you know, going more the digital route. But when I worked in radio, I had dreams of being the next Jim Rome. I wanted to grow my brand. I wanted to learn. I, I eventually wanted to get to a place like maybe iHeartMedia and go from there. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I worked at a little, tiny, little station in Greeley, Colorado. Barely any listeners, okay? 1310 KFKA. When I left KFKA, they were so upset. They had no idea they were a stepping stone job. And it made me... They were pissed. Their feelings were hurt. It was this whole, how could you go anywhere? And I'm thinking... What's all the bad blood for? You know, I helped you guys. We, we, we did certain things. We helped each other. It's time for me to move on. I mean, I hate to be, you know, <laughs> and I know this is going to come, come across a certain way, but that's a little station, not a whole lot of listeners. I felt like when I took over the afternoon drive, four to six daily, and I started that program, I felt like I was the best one on that, on that radio station. I mean, maybe except, of you course, were, for Jim. You were. <laughs> Look, except if we aired Jim Rome before me. He was nationally syndicated, but of all the local shows, that was the only national show. 
you know, I truly believed I was the best talent there. It wasn't long. And many of the listeners could probably tell people who I worked with who didn't have a stake in the game, you know, coworkers, not management, they'd say to me, dude, it's not going to be long until you're doing bigger, better things, right? But when I finally went to my boss and I thought I did it the right way, gave him plenty of time, I gave him over a month to find the talent, replace me. I said, I won't make it a big deal. You tell me what you need from me, right? That's how you leave a job. But even so, they were pissed. They didn't make it easy for me. And to this day, you know, I, I don't know what the manager of that station thinks of me. There's a grudge, you know? I, Jared, I wish them all the best, man. You know, that's how it is. But I guarantee you, there's still that grudge. Because why? There was a disconnect from what they really were and what they thought they were. I mean, we just, I, we just mentioned it. How many companies really in the business world are destination jobs? How many companies do you think think they are destination At jobs? At least a quarter of them, a third of them. Exactly my point. So this doesn't mean that every company that isn't a destination job can't be successful, right? Of course that's not the case, Jared. There are thousands of success, there are thousands, excuse me, of successful companies that do great work every day and have staffs that are happy, satisfied, making money, and they're not going anywhere, okay? It's how the American economy goes round and round. If it were all Apple and Amazon, there's no room for the little guy. But just because little guys can win and do doesn't mean that some people are in it for the long haul. And when Mel Tucker came to see you, it was a splashy hire, but it was also a risky hire. And anyone who didn't really see Mel Tucker out the door four or five years may have been looking at the situation with rose-colored glasses. But to have him leave this way, for him to do that... That's where Mel Tucker starts to show kind of those scales, right? And yep. the snake quickly gets revealed. So, you know, I, I, I do think that as Buffs fans, here's what we should want, okay? We need a good coach to come in. And, and there's really two different ways to go here. The first is a CU hire. A guy who we are really confident is in it for the long run. A guy who has CU background. A guy who has no real aspirations. Like I said, someone who loves the Buffs. There's a lot of coaches out there who are possibilities who love CU. Okay, so that's the first option is to get a CU hire in here. And by the way, later on in the podcast, five, 10 minutes from now, we'll talk about some of these hires um, in, in more depth. But that's the first route. Get a CU guy. The second route is to get a non-CU guy, but who's an up-and-comer, i.e. more of a Mel Tucker, okay? Now, a lot of people may, may be saying, well, Tyler, you may get the same situation. Well, a lot, as long as the guy's got, got integrity, it's actually not a bad spot. Because here's what they could do. Here's the blueprint there. This guy, the young up-and-cover comes in, gets CU back on track, and then leaves the program in a good state when they do leave, right? This is what we thought was going to happen with Mel. He was going to bolt, you know, get CU back to maybe an eight-win team, exactly. and then go his way, right? And then whoever's coming in, now we can take the next step as a program. It's all about building. Keep building forward. Exactly. Steps so, on steps. So you can't look, look, what happened in, uh, in Clemson? where Dabo Sweeney goes and turns an average program into a powerhouse and stays there. Folks, that is extremely rare. Name one more case where that happened. Exactly. It doesn't happen. So to think that's going to happen at CU, that's what Mel Tucker would have been. If he gets in here, starts winning, stays at CU buff for life, that would have essentially been Dabo Sweeney 2.0, assuming the guy's successful, right? That's not going to happen. So for everyone thinking that, let me read you Mel Tucker's jobs before he got to Boulder, okay? Michigan State, Miami of Ohio, LSU, Ohio State, the Cleveland Browns, Jacksonville Jaguars, Chicago Bears, Alabama, Georgia, and then Colorado. Which of these is not like the other? I mean, you couldn't look at his resume and see that he was in a, and see, he was in a place and region that he really hadn't spent any time before in his life, where his family had really never been, at a school that hadn't been competitive in 15 years. Again, 
I love CU. I live CU. I bleed black and gold. But it's uh, this is a message to everyone right now listening. It's only doing a disservice to ourselves when we trick ourselves into thinking Mel's a buff for life, right? And 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 just uh, accept this next coach with adequate expectations and don't, you know, I, I love CU, like I said before, but to think that we're just going to get the next big shot and he's going to be here forever, it's about taking the next step as a program. And, and that's something I think Rick George has talked about in, in some of his press conferences, and I don't have any of the quotes directly in front of me here, but he's talked a lot, a lot about that. It doesn't necessarily need to be a CU guy. It's a guy that has the same mindset, the same approach in what they want to accomplish as what we as a football organization half you know and that's that's what you need like you said you can't ever hold someone's feet over the fire and say you need to commit here for the next 10 years and we're not going to sign you here you know i don't care if you're here for a year two years 10 years you keep moving in the right direction you keep bringing in good people and you show integrity however things part and maybe that's that see you parting ways with a coach because they get to that eight win plateau and they don't show that progress over years is it is it okay for that uh, for see you to kick him to the curb because i think these same fans are so upset about somebody leaving CU would be calling for a coach. I seem to remember a lot of people, myself and you included, Tyler, calling for Mike McIntyre or something to be done with that last coaching staff because they had plateaued in what they were doing. So it goes both ways. The key is you have integrity as a program, as a coach, as a player, as a human being. That's how you need to approach it. And that's what you have to want as a fan. Somebody that comes in and does things the right way for however long they're here. That seems to be the theme here, man. He just handled this the completely wrong way. I lost all my respect for Mel Tucker. I not only think I could care less about him as a football coach, I think he's just a bad dude. If I saw him on the street, I'd probably start swearing him out. You know, telling him what I really thought, giving him a real piece of my mind because it shows your true colors when you handle something this way. He didn't have to do any of the stuff he did, and he showed what a scumbag he really is. I don't know. Mel Tucker's a pretty big dude. I, I think I care, might be man. a little bit careful uh, running my care. mouth to him on I the don't street. Care. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned money. Before we get, uh, we're going to uh, get to the potential new coaches. We're going to look at who CU should hire and who they're looking at hiring here in a few minutes. But before we get to that, Jared had mentioned the money earlier, how a big part of this was Michigan State doubling Mel Tucker's revenue, or salary, I should say, uh, doubling his assistant coaches, pool of money. And you mentioned how you were upset with the University of Colorado. And I want to pump, I want to push the brakes really fast because I want to stop that conversation before we get going in the wrong direction. For anyone out there, mad at Rick George, mad at the athletic department, mad at Colorado for not allocating enough money to the athletic program, you're off base. And here's why. First of all, according to CU's financial report for 2019, the athletic department actually experienced almost a $4 million loss. And a lot of that was due to football. $95 million in revenue, about $99 million in expenses, okay? This isn't all due to Colorado, lack of funding, or even the state in general. This is a conference issue. Michigan State is earning, well, Michigan State and every other Big Ten team is earning $55 million a year from the Big Ten contract. Colorado, on the other hand, as well as most other Pac-12 schools, will earn about $33 million. And that's a $22 million difference just for one year. That disparity not only continues year over year for the next four years, but it, it's going to grow and grow and grow. By 2014, excuse me, by 2024, Big Ten schools will be making almost double what their Pac-12 counterpart, counterparts are. I have the figures right here. Just give me a second, Jared. 
2024, Pac-12 schools are slated to make about $40, $41 million a year. Big 10 schools, $81 million a year by 2024. This is a fundamental issue within the sport of college football where the gap is widening, okay? And we're not going to sit here and talk about capitalism or anything like that because we're the college football economy and how this is set up has not... We're not going to compare this to... You know, international politics or even national politics, right? This is a very simple issue. The NCAA has let football completely escape their grasp. And I've always talked about this. In the mid-80s, where where college football was getting traction, getting popularity, it was just looked at as another... You would go to... It was like high school, right? Where you still go to college for the school, but you'd also play a sport. Student athletes, that's where that that joke of a term originated. You know? Student athlete. Well, now that we're in 2020... I, it's 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 just a farce. I mean, it's a business. You know, it's one of the most popular sports in America. It's a, it's a multi billion dollar a year business where its employees don't get paid. So this is all for a different podcast, a different episode. The players paid, all that kind of stuff. But my point is, this is a fundamental issue with college football, and a fundamental issue with the media contracts. And I think the NCAA needs to come in and put certain bars, certain caps, certain limits, and and, and distribute money uh, amongst these power conferences. Evenly. And I also think, again, for a different podcast, Jared, they need to, to make two divisions of football. There's no yeah, reason yeah. Mountain, West, Mountain West football teams can go undefeated. We're, we're here next to that trash team up north. Uh, uh, no, let's use the, the team down south, the non-rivals, Air Force, right? Yeah, that's, uh, those guys do things the right way. So let's say if Air Force goes undefeated next year, you know the chances of them making the playoffs are like 10% right now, if you ask a lot of people in Vegas. It's crazy that a sport exists to where if you go undefeated, you don't have a chance. So that's the first thing, is split these teams in half. And give Pac-12 give Pac schools at least the same inherent money, at least the same starting point that all these other schools are getting. Because when you have twice the money, you can essentially get better coaches, better uh, 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 facilities. You can get more more access to recruiting. You're going to hire more recruiters. I mean, it's just an unfair system. And I'm not going to talk about, well, this is unfair. This is unfair. You know, Jared, my, my stance on a lot of these things. You earn nothing. You're, you're given nothing. You earn everything. But this is a business. This is a, a world to where you have to create rules to where people are working on the same playing field. But the thing is, is the Pac-12 has done this to themselves in their lack of ability to get a legitimate TV deal done with the major broadcasting. So do you agree with me, though, that the NCAA needs to step in? Because this is obviously between the media companies and the conferences. Does the NCAA need to say, we're going to distribute? Now you guys deal with us, not each conference individually, and we'll distribute the money. On, on so many levels, even just beyond this, absolutely, the NCAA needs to come in and actually govern its body. That's it does saying. nothing to govern. But this is just a small piece of that pie that is factoring in that. I mean, we're, we're talking the issues with, with paying players, the issues with some of the different um, you know setups with conference championships and different rules and, and, and levels along with that. So there are so many levels that, yes, the NCAA needs to come in. But it, it's also one of those things that's like... Why, you know, I guess to play devil's advocate, why should the NCAA have to come in and fix what the Pac-12 screwed up themselves? Nobody said go make this garbage deal. Well, go, I, go, I, I, go, I go, go, prevent yourselves from being able to make this kind of money. See, you left the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12 because of the potential of all the money that they could make <laughs> through that, you know. And then the the the, the, the Pac-12 has just you know sort of crapped the bags, so to no, speak. I, you know, and then look, you you bring up some good points, and maybe I'm off base by blaming necessarily the NCAA. I'm always blaming the NCAA first because yeah, they're, they're so. 
they're, they're so incompetent and they never get it right and all these punishments are just so bad but you know what you're, you're probably right the, the Pac-12 is a lot to blame the commissioner of the Pac-12 has a lot to do with this and actually I mean CU when they transferred to the, to the Pac-12 it was a big deal there too so maybe it is more you know uh, maybe the NCAA necessarily doesn't need to it's just I always no, go with the NCAA, NCAA because they let, they let the dog to, off the leash a yes, long time ago exactly they need to fix so many things this is just a small part of it but to go back to my point that I was making with my frustration with the organization with the CU athletic department and their lack of willingness to pay big time money for coaches I do still feel that way Tyler even in the scenario now because did that prevent Arizona State from going to get a big time coach did that prevent UCLA uh, you know what about there are half a dozen teams in the Pac-12 that have found ways to go get big-time coaches that bring that cachet in here and 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 there's also even beyond that there's some and I don't I don't I don't I don't probably follow the laws in the state of Colorado <laughs> as well as I need to but there's some weird funky laws in Colorado with the restrictions on what kind of contracts they can give to their assistant coaches and it, and it really hinders them because it only allows them to give them one year at a time so to give the long-term stability in contracts it really makes it hard and that was one of the things that Mel Tucker had an issue with and and I don't disagree with you want a big-time coach and I think as we move forward to our, our next segment here coming coming back off of our break and talking about um, some of the, the future coaches, I think that is a potential concern because some of the guys that are going to be talked about and that we may be pushing for as coaches, I think you need a big-time coordinator to come in, and can you land a guy like that if you're paying them, you know, crap money i right, mean you just right. you have to be able to pay big time money and i'm not saying that's what it requires i think them signing mel tucker had they gone out and paid him big time money last year that would have been a mistake because he was an unproven guy but to be in a situation right now where what you're trying to do is prevent falling off what you just gained you really kind of need to be able to throw a little bit of money at somebody or a guy like mel tucker when these f- discussions first come up if you if you say hey mel we believe in you we want you to stay Here's a little bump. Here's a bump for your coaches. Believe in well, us, and we'll continue to believe in you. Yeah, you, you you do bring up some good points. And look, when Jim Levitt got that great example, four times pay increase from five hundred thousand to two million, he didn't leave to go to a non Pac twelve school. He went to Oregon. Yep. So you're right. I mean, money can be shifted, manipulated certain ways. If Colorado has a, a-, a- athletic department revenue of uh, or a revenue of ninety five million. And about ninety-eight and a half million in expenses, you can maybe chip off a couple more million for the football program. I mean, I'd love to see that itemized. You know, I'd yeah, love to see. Right? I, don't don't count on seeing those numbers, <laughs> ever, Tyler. I, I really <laughs> doubt that's going to happen. But you know, I mean, look. When I read this article on, uh, I believe it was CBS Sportsline, it's true that the Pac-12 as a conference is on the brink. But you look example by example, and you can find, you know, like they said, Jim Levitt or or Chip Kelly, even at Arizona State, or Herm Edwards, but. I mean, overall, I just think that, I mean, look at right now, this year. I, I know that it all wasn't for financial reasons specifically, but within about a month and a half, or maybe even less, you had Mike Leach jump ship from the Pac-12. You had uh, Chris uh, Peterson, Peterson. Uh, resign from Washington, and now Mel Tucker left. I mean, those were probably, at least in the upper half of coaches in the Pac-12. You know, So things are, are, are quickly turning, and, and it's funny how quickly the world changes. Folks, this is, this is not going to stop. I mean... CU, and we'll talk about it here in a second, CU's going to have to land a really solid hire who loves the buffs and isn't going to go anywhere because we're right back to square A here and we're right back to step A and they're going to have to pay a small amount. This has been an issue for a long time, Jared. So 
and and, and, and I think it, it resides in a bigger issue that the Pac-12 is holding themselves back with the decisions that they're making as they keep going forward year by year. They need and, to and I think it has been very apparent. If you look at the time, see what do we look at? Six years, seven years, whatever that C has been in the Pac-12. It was right there with every other conference at that point in time. It was as good as everyone. You had the SEC and then everybody else. It was right there. And now it is by far clearly the bottom of the Power 5 conferences. No doubt about it. And it's even in discussion. Is is it even a Power 5 conference anymore? The way that it competes on, on equal level to say some teams in the Mountain West, some teams in some of these AACs, these other conferences that, man, overall, they may be outplaying the Pac-12. When you look at the bowl records, when you look at you know conference-to-conference play, I don't know that you could even say the Pac-12 is one of the best five conferences right now in the NCAA. I mean, you can't put... They're the fifth best of anything. A top to bottom, sure, but teams competing at the top... The teams competing at the top of the Pac-12 aren't necessarily better than the teams competing at the top of some of these non-Power 5 conferences. There's two or three teams, maybe a handful of teams in those conferences, I would argue are better than anyone in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, we're, getting, uh, we're getting a little we off sure, we got a little. Let's get, we, back to, yeah, let's get back to Mel here. We may need to do another off-season pod in a month or so. Recruits. Clearly, we have a lot some on of this our stuff. Mind. Yeah, get some of this stuff out there. But I think that, you know, let's, let's bring it back. And I think this can all be summed up by... Uh, screw you, Mel Tucker. You know, we I, I do I do want to say one thing that I'm glad we found this out early. You know, I I dated a girl uh, a couple years ago, maybe even a little longer, and you find out sometimes who people are, who people really are. And even though it's hard to go through breakups and it's hard to be left or to start something new, if it's for the best and it's really done for the right reasons, it's actually a good thing and it's actually a blessing in disguise. And you don't want to spend you know, staying on the relationship thing. You don't want to spend your life with some horrible person who you got into a relationship with and then you see their true colors and it's 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 miserable. You want to be with the right people in life and that's business and profession or your relationship and business, right? And with CU, if Mel Tucker's really this kind of a guy, which obviously he is, and he proved that through this situation, it's better for us that we're cutting ties right now and we don't have to deal with this. It's, if it's not this year, it was going to be next year or the year after, and nothing tells me that he would have ever handled it the right way. You know, So it's better to sometimes cut ties when you realize who people really are and just rip that Band-Aid off. So, uh, Jared, you got anything else from Mel Tucker? You got, did you get it all or do you feel better? I do actually okay. feel better getting it out because I have been stewing. I, and, and for the audience to hear, I've been out of town all week. So this was an awkward thing. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night to the news coming through yeah. and had a nice sleepless night over <laughs> it. And so this has been really stewing for me all week long. So uh, as soon as I got back in town, I told Tyler, let's get on there. We've got to get this out yeah. there. So I do feel much better. Thank you, Tyler, for indulging me. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we'll talk about the possible hires for the University of Colorado football team. Keep it here. Special thanks to topnotchodds.com. If you guys like to bet on sports, whether it's college football or anything else, Barrett, look, betting's going to be legal in the state of Colorado. What, like a month and a half? I know, it's We're exciting. about a month and a half away. Uh, May 1st, you can start betting in the state of Colorado. So, when that date hits, you guys want to know the right websites to go on and do things the right way. Places are going to offer good lines, that are going to offer a ton of different lines, that are easy to deal with, have customer service, allow you to get your money in easy, more importantly, get your money out easy. So, 
So one website, one sportsbook that does all of this, topnotchodds.com. When you're signing up, put in promo code SHARPEDGE. That's going to get you up to a 200% deposit bonus that you can use over and over. So folks, the ability to bet on sports is just around the corner. Make sure you are ready to go. Topnotchodds.com, promo code SHARPEDGE. Also want to thank Woos Media. As many of you know, we are a Woos Media production. And Woos Media doesn't just do podcasts. They also handing, handle online marketing. So if you own a business or you know anyone who owns a business or you know anyone who may just need some one-time marketing, who's putting on an event, anything, Woos Media can help you guys advertise online. They have a relationship with Google. They can get your ads on 500,000 different websites or apps. So they're the best at what they do in terms of online marketing. Check them out online, woosmedia.com. All right, wrapping things up on the off-season surprise edition of the Buffs Nation podcast. Not coming in here under the most ideal of terms, but sometimes that's how things go. Uh, so Jared and I now want to uh, dive in and look at the coaches to replace Mel Tucker. I mean, obviously, you got to move on. And uh, Darren Chivarini, the Colorado uh, receiver slash off- uh, receiver coach slash offense coordinator. And recruiting coordinator and, yeah, recruiting well. coordinator. He used to play at the university. I mean, I think most people are familiar with Darren Shiverini. He is the current interim head coach. And, I mean, I have a good list here of a lot of potential head coaches. But before we actually get anywhere else, let's start right there with Darren Shiverini. What are the chances that Darren Shiverini is actually elevated to head coach? Because, as we said, Darren Shiverini, he, he's got two things working for us and, and the fan base. He's a CU guy, and he kind of knows how everything works here. And he's a good coach, right? Well, a good coach slash recruiter. He knows how to bring guys in, and, and he's the kind of guy you want in the locker room. He has, over each of the last two years, and I honestly don't know the media outlet that does it, but they, they do a top 25 recruiters, and he has been ranked in the top 25 recruiters nationally over the, each of the last two years. I believe he is the biggest reason why a lot of the kids that are coming to see you over the last couple years have been coming. He recruited Katie Nixon, LaVisca Chenault, you know, many other guys... Texas is sort of his bread and butter and where he targets, but I think he's also a big reason why many of the 2020 recruits that the Buffs have signed have reaffirmed their commitments to the Buffs, even after Mel Tucker left. They said, okay, Darren Cheverini's still around. I'm sticking around. But you know what? I mean... I'm not trying to be negative, but a big reason that happened is because Mel Tucker left after the signing second yes, period. that is true. So players' rights are greatly reduced. They'd have to transfer. Even if they didn't want to leave. Yeah, now they have to enter the transfer portal. So, I mean, Mel Tucker leaving didn't just screw us. It screwed all those commitments and, and families who he looked in the eye and said, we're building something in Boulder. And then 48 hours later, after the signing period's over... And he's gone. I mean, that was the worst time for him to leave for the recruits. So, while well, a lot of them are staying, and they better because we had a great recruiting class. Actually, and I, I know we're kind of making this podcast. It's kind of all over the place, but that's okay. Um, we had a good recruiting class. Did you know we're only seventh in the Pac-12? I know. The Pac-12 Dude, is stepping their game up. I was up going, I'm run. like, wait a minute. We're getting all these four what, stars and 30, so and 35, so. I believe, uh, nationally. And, yeah, and seventh, though, in the Pac-12. Yeah. But no, good recruiting class. But unfortunately... To the recruits again, I, I do think a big reason that is is simply the time. Yeah, and getting back to Darren Cheverini, um, I I really have thought for a long time, uh, going back to the the rise, the season that was the rise. I believe that was the 2016 season. Mike McIntyre, when the Buffs went on that run, we need a new the, slogan. I know, right? The the CU. Um, 
video program, whatever. They ended up doing like a video series on that. If any Buffs fans didn't see it, it was a really well done series. And you saw a lot of Darius Cheverini on it. And I remember thinking to myself at that point, this is a, a future head coach. I hope he is a future head coach at the Buffs. He has that factor about him. He's that rah-rah guy. He's obviously a great recruiter. He has proven to not necessarily be the best you know, X's and O's coach, and, and he's still a young guy. Let's be real clear on that. Sometimes it takes a lot of lot of years for these guys to cut their teeth and really figure out the style that they want to coach. But I absolutely think he has a future as a head coach. I just don't know if he's quite ready for that yet. Well, that's how a lot of these guys on this list are. I'm I'm scared of all these uh, coaches who have never been a head coach before. You know, because it's just inevitable. Whether it's him or a couple guys who we're going to get to. Some of these big names, I mean, the one right now that everyone's talking about, I'll just say it, Eric Bieniemy, right, for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not the most comfortable because he's never been a head coach before. But isn't that where the buffs are at right now? Do you really think you're getting an established head coach okay. that wants to take on this let job me bring right now? Out, let's, let, let's get there. Let's bring up a couple things. First, let's talk about Eric Bieniemy because I think that's the place to start. A lot of people are talking about him. We just brought his name up, so let's not brush past him. For those who don't know, Eric Bieniemy, I mean, one of... CU's legends, you know. I mean, he so many great years at CU. He was recruited by uh, Bill McCartney during the the heydays. Now he's the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's actually renowned as one of the biggest up and comers in the NFL. A big reason why a lot of people say he won't come to CU is simply that fact: is he's traje- he's in the trajectory to be an NFL head coach or an NFL probably head coach in the next couple of years. Yeah, so he, he was he looked at for a lot of jobs. The, the last NFL. Couple of years. He understands how the NFL works. He seems like an NFL guy, and so look. I think that Biennemi makes a lot of sense because he was passed over for a lot of NFL jobs. He is still a, a clear candidate. He is a CU kind of a guy. What do you think about Eric Biennemi? I, I, you, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I heard about Mel Tucker, that's the first name that came to mind to me. But I think going back to our topic uh, on the last segment about understanding who you are as a program and the trajectory of where you're going. I do not think Eric Bieniemy is any sort of long-term fill. I believe this is an NFL guy that wants to be an NFL head coach. He has made pretty much his entire coaching career, aside from his stints at CU, has been in the NFL, which leads me to believe that's where he wants to be. I think he could have taken a college coaching job each of the last two years, passed them down, because I believe he wants to be an NFL head coach. So, Understand that. You bring in a guy like that, you probably have him for two, maybe three years, and then he may be jetting back to the NFL. That may not be the worst thing in the world because I do think that in my mind, in my heart, I think bringing in a buff is a big deal right now. I think as fans, as players, I think you need somebody that you can trust coming in here that the words they're speaking to you aren't farce. It's not just you coach speak, just saying what you need to say. I think if you bring in a guy like Eric Bieniemy, I think he believes in this program. I think he wants to see it be successful, and I think you could trust in his integrity on that side of it. But he's a heck of a, a football coach. I mean, you've seen what he's done. He's been integral in what he's done with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, that guy's a great player, but Eric Bieniemy has been a big part of that. I think he's been very successful. He was very successful in helping Alex Smith to be a very good quarterback there with Kansas City as well. So he's a very good coach. I would love to see that. I don't know that it's the right fit necessarily because I'm afraid that a year from now, if he has success in the Buffs, and say the Buffs go have a really good season, eight, nine, even ten wins, 
Is the NFL calling in on him again? Yeah, but, can but, he but, turn that down? But he wouldn't do what Mel Tucker did. No, and that's but, why but do okay. you want another coach for a year or two? No. And no. I don't think that that's what you want. And honestly, guys, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think he wants this job. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I actually tend to agree um, in principle. It's not necessarily for the same reasons. Honestly, I think Eric Bieniemy. if you guys have ever heard Eric Bieniemy or talked to Eric Bieniemy. He is the sweetest, nicest guy. He's always smiling. I mean, he's just always, he's, he lights up the room. He's such a positive, nice guy. I love Eric Bieniemy. okay? So <laughs> I just want to say that. Is, he's one of my favorite players in the history of Colorado, not just because of what he did for the university, won a national championship, something. He's a great dude, you know? And that's one thing that we're so mad about Mel Tucker. It's just go to handle things the right way, you know? I think CU fans are reasonable, but he handled things the wrong way. I love Eric Bieniemy. What a great guy! But I honestly, I don't know how he'd do. Can do we know he can recruit? Do we know he can? I mean, do we know right now that he's anything other than a great X's nose coach and an XCU guy? And we saw with John Embry a few years ago. He was a CU guy who seemed to know football, did well other places, that blew up exactly. In their face. Now, now John Embry didn't lead a team to a Super Bowl, right? By by being the offensive coordinator, but it's the same idea. It's not enough sometimes just to get a CU guy in here. Now. I agree. The self-esteem in Boulder is low right now. We need to see you guys to come in here, fix things, fix things quickly, and someone who knows how to win games, okay? So while I agree with you there, here's a couple names that aren't necessarily CU guys that have head coaching experience that I think would be a good fit. These names were on an article from CBSSportsLine.com. Name number one, Troy Calhoun. Longtime Air Force coach has been mentioned uh, with this job the last few years. Remember, before Mel Tucker was hired, he was was talked about being a head coach. And a lot of people say, we don't want to run the option in Boulder. Folks, Troy Calhoun is much more than an option coach. He knows how to run the spread, typical offenses, West Coast. He will change his offense if he comes to, to Boulder. So, first name brought up by CBS Sportsline, I think makes a whole lot of sense right here in Colorado. I think... They should give him a phone call yeah. and see what he has to say. Maybe not rush to hire him, but put him in the pool. I, I agree. I really like him from an X's and O's standpoint. I think he's clearly a good coach. He's a disciplined guy, obviously, coming out of Air Force. Right. You know that he's going to have discipline, structure. I think all the things from what you want as a head coach. My biggest question is, can he recruit? Can he perform on this level? It's a whole different ball game when being at an Air Force Academy where you're recruiting a certain type of kid and and really you're getting people that have aspirations beyond football you're not just recruiting a kid to come play football and oh by the way you can go to school here too so it's a it's a different animal a different game he, he's also I, I don't have this in front of me but he's not the youngest guy um, I don't know is this something that he wants to take that on at this point in his career or is he happy being in a position like that that that's where again a phone call to him I think you should phone call I think you should get an interview with him you can if anything you can come away learning from him sitting down in an interview with him and the type of guy that you want to bring in here because I think he's absolutely the type of coach you would want to have as far as a person I don't know if it's realistic in terms of him coming here but I do know there's a reason why his name's always mentioned you know it's not for nothing so Troy Calhoun head coach of Air Force I think or longtime Air Force head coach I think would make a whole lot of sense uh, Brian Harson. Of the coaches who currently have a job, Brian Harson is probably the biggest target Colorado could get. Um, Harson uh, has proven many times that you know he likes Boise State. He's not itching for a Power Five job. He's been offered time and time again. So 
may be hard to imagine see you getting Brian Harson, but what do you think of the head coach of Boise State? Would he come here? I, I don't know. It just is it bad that I just have that sour taste in my mouth still from a Boise, from Boise. State head coach? <laughs> um, and, and I just think it's one of those that the Chris Petersons of the world are so few and far between coming out of those. I, I just don't know how much I truly believe in Brian Harson being on the level, the caliber of coach. And I mean, he's a really good coach. He's done really well at Boise State. He has helped continue to maintain what Chris Peterson has done there. But at the same time, it's kind of been a niche system that they've always had. And he's the type of guy, I don't know that he could break out of his mold to adjust things the way he would need to, to, to really attack the power five conferences and be an elite coach the way I, I just, I think, think that would be your kind of secondary hire if you couldn't get the guys that you want that's how I feel and that's me personally like you said his name's actually out there quite a bit and and has been discussed in a lot of coaching jobs but I have a harder time bringing a guy up I, I'm I'm more prone to see an up-and-comer coordinator take on a job and see what he's got as a head coach than to take a guy that is a a lower tier head coach already and see if he can handle the big stage. It's a different animal. And but at least he knows and he's been there. And, and I like a head coach who's been a head coach, who understand what it takes to be a head coach. I mean, if you get a guy like, let's say, let, let me bring up the next name, Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator at USC. I mean, it's a splashy hire. He's a young, you know, uh, I was going to use the word sexy. You can't do that sometimes with, the, with these Oh, it's, it's very not PC anymore, you know? <laughs> but look, that would be a good hire at least. It would be splashy, but he's never been a head coach before in his life. He's so so. I think that if you're going to come in to see you, they need a guy who knows, you know, not who's like, all right, guys, we're in this together, and he's learning on the job. I don't want a guy who's like, you know, who's making head coach rookie mistakes along with the, with with his team. This team needs a solid head coach, not just for the recruits who are coming in, but for the guys who are coming back from last year. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know a lot of very important things for this team. They need a strong foundation right now. But which I, means, I, I want to bring in a coach, coach that I believe can take this team to ten to twelve win seasons in the next three to four years. And I just don't know that. Uh, you're, you're getting that. I think I, with that I, kind of I'm matter. way higher on Brian Harson than you are. Right, let's move on to Graham Harrell, offense coordinator at USC. Uh, his name's come up with a lot of jobs recently. He's currently, as I said, uh, employed with the University of Southern California, offense that's known to put up points. And really, he's, as I said, experience. That's his first coaching job. He's never been a head coach at any level, not even high school football. Okay. So. Again, I like Graham Harrell. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. Way too early for yeah, head that one. I can you. agree with. I just don't even know that I'd consider that one as a great option. All righty, next name, and this is where things start to get juicy. Jim Levitt. Jim Levitt was a candidate for the CU head coaching job a couple years ago. As you all know, he went to Oregon for more money, and. Uh, I, yeah, he, he's now the uh, – is he still D.C. at Oregon? No, he oh, left there. It's, so, it's Andy Avalos, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, just to kind of give a quick synopsis of that, he went to Oregon and, uh, you know, rumor has it there were some assurances in place that if a coaching change was made that he would be the, the leading candidate to get it. He wasn't. Not only did he get passed over, it was actually Mario Cristobal, the offensive coordinator, that got the job, and that really rubbed Levitt the wrong way. And as far as I know, Tyler, I don't know that he's coaching 
coaching anywhere right now. I'm looking it up. So right now. he he is an available option. And Jim and Levitt is an American football coach for FAU. FAU. Okay. Huh. So so not exactly your premier program right there. So I actually really love the idea of Jim Levitt coming in. Now one of the knocks that he had as a head coach is he's a hard ass. He's 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 really tough on guys, and and that can really be a hard thing. But I don't think that's the worst thing for this program right now. I think Mel Tucker had sort of established that kind of uh, a, a culture of accountability and things like it, it just sounds so hollow when I say these words <laughs> of, you know Mel Tucker established this but yeah. but that's really what we saw over the last years a lot of guys saying how tough it was how much more work was put in so I think a guy like that would come in and I think the guys would receive him well I think coming off of say a McIntyre that was a little bit more I don't want to say soft but he was more of a player's coach that I think that's a hard transition so I think this would fit well he knows this organization he knows the you know the uh, the upper end of the athletic director the the chancellor he knows all those guys so I I do really like him as a fit but I I, I I, again, I don't know. Is is he head coach at FAU? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. So you're not getting him at anything less than a head coaching job. That's but for also sure. he was just hired December 22nd. I mean, if CU hires some of these guys away, they're going to have to do with to their program yeah. what talk Mel about just integrity. Did to CU. Talk about integrity. You know, yeah, and so. and hey, you know what? Sometimes the right opportunity comes and you can't pass that up. And there are right ways and wrong ways for a guy like that to do it. But I don't think a guy uh, that CU should check a guy off the list because he has a job All right now. You know what I mean? Or he just took a job. I think you still need to cross that path, and that may just be you know a scenario that it is tough for him if he decides to leave. But it may be the best opportunity for him and for everyone involved. Next. Name and man, I would love this one just to rub it in the little brother's nose up north. Jim McElwain. <laughs> Jim McElwain. Uh, he was a head coach at uh, CSU for either one or two years before jumping ship to go to Florida. Fired at Florida. He is currently with Central Michigan, a team that went one and eleven before he got there. Uh, since he got there, they went eight and six. Then last year, ten and two. This guy knows how to win. Knows how to turn programs around and. I would love beating CSU with Jim McElwain. I mean, that that's just like, whew, I love that, man. That's great. Of the outsiders, he's probably one of the highest on my list, but I am concerned that oh, his God. one stint go. at a big program, he flopped, man. He was not only not good, he was bad at Florida. They were getting some of the top recruits in the country, and he could not win How long at was all. he there for? Three years, I think. Was he there for three years? I want to say. Maybe, maybe it was less than that. And you know what? The SEC is well known for kicking guys to the curb way faster than they deserve to get there. And I do think he deserves some more time to get things going. But they went from being a pretty good top 25 team to getting worse and worse in his time there. I'm just concerned that he doesn't understand the big level. He has succeeded in the non-Power 5 conferences. He has never done it on a big level. But... Like I said, of the outsiders that we're talking, this is one guy that has proven in multiple programs he understands how to take a below-average team and get them to at least being an 8-10 to 10 win team. And maybe this isn't a guy that ever takes you to national championship level, but I, I, I'd even say that's a guy that I think over the next three to five years would be a perfect fit to come in here. He knows how to recruit Colorado while he was doing love, it on a lower level. I, love if he came I, I, I like it. I don't love it. You I know? think he's a very underrated head coach. I think he had an unfair shake in Florida. It's one of the toughest places to win, and he was still winning seven, eight games a year. I mean, he was still doing well, so I don't want to count him out. By the way, Central Michigan reporting, Colorado has not 
contacted Jim McElwain for a head coach positioning. Uh, that was yesterday. We are recording this on uh, the 16th of February. So as of yesterday, they have not contacted Jim McElwain. Next head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, as long as he can leave the Bud Lights at home. Uh, Sarkeesian had plenty of experience in the Pac-12. Seven seasons head coach of the uh, Washington Huskies and USC Trojans. He knows football. He knows how to grow a program. I'm not sure I'd trust him. This guy. That's is just, where my fear yeah, is. Yeah, man. Can you believe like, in this guy as a person, as know. a human being? X's know. and O's, even recruiting. I think this that that's probably the best name you've thrown out here so far, as far as what he can do for CU on the field. But can you believe in a guy that has? I think he was let go by USC because of basically drinking issues on the job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to put any words out there that aren't exactly factual, but he had some problems at that point in time and and really has, you know, struggled with with some issues off the field that I don't think with the vulnerability of this program right now that that's somebody you can really believe in. All right, let me give you a head coach that I know you're not going to like. I know none of the listeners are going to like it, but for some reason I really like this this name. I feel like he had an unfair shake years ago at CU. He is incredibly smart. He knows how to be a head coach. And when you listen to him, as the color commentator for the University of Colorado football games, he knows his stuff and he loves his university. Gary Barnett. From CU from 1999 to 2005, you know what CU did from 1999 to 2005? They won their conference a couple times. They went to some major bowl games. You know what happened as Gary Barnett walked out the door? Colorado has not been competitive since, except for that one year under uh, McIntyre. Okay, Gary Barnett knows football. He was returned to the program on the airwaves. He loves this university. And I know many of you don't listen to 850 KOA during the games. I do for every game, well, every away game, I sync up the, the, the stream or the, the broadcast or the telecast, I should say, with the radio. And I listen to these guys every game, every road game. And Gary Barnett knows his stuff. I loved, loved, loved all the times this year. Because let's face it, Mel Tucker was a great recruiter and did a lot of good things, but there were plenty of questionable calls and questionable in-game decisions by Mel Tucker, and I loved the relentless nature that, that, that Gary Barnett had and his knowledge and the things he's saying. And it's just like, I would love to have that guy, if not head coach, in the locker room. He still knows his stuff. And for those who say, ah, oh, Gary Barnett, he hadn't been around in a while. He doesn't know what's going on. For, for those who haven't been around in a while, look how Mac Brown did last year, his first year with UNC. Look how uh, Herm Edwards is doing with Arizona State. And you don't have to be living it, e- eating it, breathing it every single day to be a good head coach. I believe Gary Barnett knows how to recruit, knows how to coach, knows exactly what it would take to succeed in 2020. I think Gary Barnett should get much more consideration than he's reportedly getting right now. I had not even really heard that name, Tyler. And as soon as you said, you know, you started bringing before you even said his name, I, I just I lit up. You say that I would love that. That's probably I didn't expect that from you. The, I, I, I just, didn't expect that. You know, it's one of those. I know there was some bad circumstances when he laughed. There were some issues with some. Who of the freaking things. cares? It was all exactly. It was all that was like everybody doing it, and it, he happened to get caught. It, it was all yeah. It, it, uh, not necessarily paying players, but but some violations. Exactly. Viol- Who freaking cares? You know what? There's a great line by a Tark. You know a. a, a, a uh, Tark, uh, Steve, wow, what's his name? We uh, Tark, uh, Coach Tark for UNLV, uh, uh, Tarkanian. Uh, what was his first name? God, the old, the old school listeners right now with the show are just going to be like Tyler. Come on, it was it Steve Tarkanian, um, Jerry Tarkanian, Jerry Tark, dude, Jerry Tarkanian, okay, head coach of the UNLV Running Rebels. Okay, this was decades ago. He has a great quote. He says, "I love transfers." Their cars are already paid for. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. You know? It is so, so true. So that's the thing. It's like, 
this is always going on. I'm not going to hold it over Gary Barnett's head that a couple things were found and he had to leave the university. If anything, it was an overreaction by a good university who had some integrity who needed a new head coach. I understand everything that happened. But folks, things happen, okay? Move on. People make their mistakes. It's time to get another chance. Gary Barnett, if anything, would be a, I think he'd be not necessarily a, a national, very splashy hire, but I believe you get on the recruiting trail with guys like Shiverini who already have the footprint in there. Man, I think Gary Barnett would be good for this and school. And that's a great point that you make right there. You bring a guy like that back to this program, I think you retain a lot more of this staff than if you bring an outside guy in. And, and to me, that is important right now. All these kids that you just brought on here, came on to play for this staff you know I think the the Darian Hagans of the world the 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 Cheverini's I mean some of these guys you know another guy and, and I know this isn't a head coach but a guy that I'd like to see them bring back into this staff is Chad Brown that's a guy that's out there yeah. right now he's yeah. he's an up-and-coming coach he's been pl- coaching for some NFL teams I'd love to see him brought on whether that's at a coordinator or a, a position coach there I think bring your boys back home and and that's where I think a guy like Gary Barnett would be a great fit because I don't think you'd have to totally alter what you're doing. I think a guy like Gary Barnett would come in and understand there's a certain way we're starting to build towards. Let's keep building on that. He also has, I think, enough cachet still within the NCAA world that he could bring on some good guys to to fill out the holes in the staff. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk on whether any of the coaches are going to be leaving to follow Mel Tucker. No, no. You remember you and I talked I don't at the think beginning of last year. Be. They Both coordinators came over from Georgia with Mel Tucker right. so is that something where they would follow them or, or, or not so I actually really like the idea of Gary Barnett uh, it's probably far-fetched I think there's probably too much bad history um, and that's probably what will hold them back from doing it but as we go through this list do you have any more else on that list that you want to throw out I do I have just a couple more okay. names I know okay. we're getting into a lot no, of and I want I want to just kind of sum up with who I think the best move is at the end here I want to hear all the names that, that you want to throw out there yeah so okay so again still uh, we mentioned uh, what was the last one I just said uh, Gary Barnett yep okay so the last one here or no not last one but uh, okay Andy Avalos Andy Avalos is currently the uh, defensive coordinator for Oregon uh, Jim, Le- Jim Levy used to have that job the reason I bring up Andy Avalos I didn't think he would be necessarily the top candidate or one of the top candidates I, I bring this up because according to Sportsline uh, CBS Sportsline you can give him a follow on Twitter at Sportsline they three days ago put out odds from Las Vegas for the next head coach of the University of Colorado. Do you want to know the odds? Well, actually, we'll, we'll get to this place, but do you want to know the odds? Yeah, let's hear it. The overwhelming favorite is Darren Shiverini. Okay? At plus 150. For those who don't know, you pay $100, you win 150. Okay? The second place option is Andy Avalos at plus, at 4 to 1. So you pay 100 to win 400. Graham Harrell's third. Blake Anderson is fourth. Eric Bieniemy's fifth. Jim Levitt is sixth at twelve to one. Jim Levitt. Eric Bieniemy, by the way, ten to one. So they don't think that's a very good option. Darren Chivarini is the heavy favorite right now, but behind him. Andy Avalos, defensive coordinator of Oregon. What do you think of that? Does that surprise uh, you? Shocks me. Yeah, actually, me I could not tell you where he was or what he was doing before he had this position last year. So I, I don't know a whole lot about him. So that surprises he was a, me. Here's the thing. His only CU ties, he was a grad assistant from the Buffs, 2006 to 2008. Some great years for the Buffs. Yeah. <laughs> 06 God. to 08. Oh. Yeah, right? The heydays. <laughs> but, but no, Andy Avalos, I mean, he's... Look, Oregon had a decent year last year, but I don't think anybody... In Boulder, is just calling for 
Andy Avalos to come knocking on the door to, to save things. Yeah, I guess I, I need to probably, I'm probably a little ill-informed on, on him as a coach, and obviously they did I mean, he some really even, good things. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> last last year, I mean, Oregon had probably the best defense they've had in some time, and I know that was a lot of that building off of what Levitt was doing there, but but to come in and, and, and to harness that, I think that takes a certain kind of coach to re, reshape the culture of what a program has been for decades, that Oregon has never been a team that plays defense defense and so to, to bring that 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 to play and they were one of the best defenses in the Pac-12 last year so uh, obviously he did some good things and before um, before he was with Oregon he was with uh, Boise so he was at Boise State okay. Andy Avalos from from 2016 to 2018 um, finished in the top four in the Mountain West Conference total defense so I, I guess my response to that would be eh yeah, you know, right. it's just a little, little you know, not, But again, the only reason I bring that up is because he's the second favorite right now in Vegas. I don't love that. And then, you know, the the one last name here that I that I mentioned was uh, uh, Blake Anderson. Uh, Anderson, head coach at Arkansas State since 2014, two Sun Belt titles. I don't know. Yeah, that. I've I've kind of heard the same one there, and again, I'm just man, eh, not it, very you know. Yeah. And and if you can't, if the audience can't, you can't pick up Tyler. I, I'm I'm kind of feeling one more, one more, one more. Oh, you got one more. One more. I got one, one, more, more. one more. Craig Bull. Wyoming's current head coach. Yes. Uh, Bulls, a little bit older. I think he's 61. He's been around, but man, he knows how to coach, knows how to uh, at least recruit from what is me. You look at Wyoming's recruiting classes, probably out-recruiting what they should, oh, given yeah. it's Wyoming. So I, I mean, shoot, they had Josh Allen was a, a top 10 pick yeah, a couple so years back. It's just an know? interesting name, Craig Bull, coming from Wyoming. Yeah, I don't love that. I really don't. I think he's a little bit past his prime. I think if you're going to bring in a guy from a uh, you know a, a, a non-Power 5 program, I think you need an up-and-comer that you believe is is going somewhere and right. can take this program somewhere. And this this would be their destination-type job you know, that they'd be looking for. So, um, but, but to, you know... Looking over this name, what there's a half dozen or so names there that you just listed. <laughs> we may up. have gone over more um, than that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I don't love really any of them, and and that's you know what that's the unfortunate thing that the C buffs are at right now. Most coaches have already taken the job that they're taking for the year. Um, there wasn't a ton of big time names out there this year. I mean, there, that, there's an ebb and flow to that year by year, and you're going to have more or less year after year. But I I really think, like I said, that you need to keep it within the family i think you bring someone in and i think what you're trying to do you know long term we know what we want to build towards and and i think that is very apparent that cu wants to build to be a competitor year after year at least in the pac-12 if not nationally on that level every year and, and so i think there's a lot of different directions you can go to get there maybe that's a short-term coach that gets you half the way there and then you bring somebody on in a few years to get all the way there but i think what you need right now is to mitigate what you do in taking a step back this program think what you want to think of mel tucker and i think we aired our grievances i think you all listening know how we feel about Mel Tucker as a person. Dude did a damn good job coaching this team last year, okay? And I think he absolutely showed that this team is making progress, moving in the right direction, and I think it would – I'm afraid of seeing this team take a major step back. And I think the best way you mitigate that is you bring on some legitimate coordinators – and I think you make Darren Cheverini the head coach. I'm going to go with the masses here, and I know that's probably a very square thing to say, as my as my buddy Tyler <laughs> likes to tell me. I I tend to be sometimes, but I really do think that Darren Cheverini has that it factor. He probably seems and like the one right now. He is a few years away from truly being ready for it. But that's where if you can bring in 
the right coordinators, and maybe it is retaining the guys that you have now. Not that I loved either coordinator that they had now, but what that does is allows you to not have to change a whole lot. He's not having to completely bring in his own thing that allows him to kind of cut his teeth a little bit, and I believe that it's the offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson, I think has some head coaching experience, um, if I'm not mistaken, so that can help you along the way there, and and you, you give him the reins. You say, hey, the biggest thing is you keep bringing in the top talent that you've been bringing to the program. You keep building this culture that has been started over the last few years, and you're going to learn on the fly and how to be a head coach, the decision-making, some of those things. I know several years back uh, when Mike McIntyre was brought on, as actually it may have been when Embry was brought on as a coach, that Bill McCartney threw his name out there and said, hey, I'd be willing to spend some time around this program to help a coach get integrated to that, and I think you could lean on somebody like that. Bring him in on some level, or Gary Barnett in on some level as an advisor, as somebody that can be his conciliary, to, so to speak, to say, hey, let's help Cheverini be prepared, be ready to take this job, because I think the team, the players, the fans believe in him and what he's done in his position, and I think you give that a chance, even if it's at an interim level for a while. I don't think well, that's the worst and thing. And that may be the case, is he's the head coach this year. Yes. And they say, look, you know, we our hands were tied. It happened mid-February. We're going to go with Chivarini this year, see how he does. Maybe he can earn that head coaching job, and that may be the way to do things. It's just the only my only reservation, and that's probably 1A right now, right? 1A is what I meant to say. My only issue is, you know, can you recruit? Because right now, he has been recruiting with the base of knowing, yeah, we got Mike McIntyre, we got Mel Tucker. Now that it's like, hey, I might be the head coach next year, maybe someone else, that's much more difficult to pitch to a high school kid. So that's the only thing is is it may hurt you if they do an interim for one year because all those recruits are going to be wondering who's going to be the head coach. But look, I think that of, of all the coaches, Darren Chivarini, like you, it'd probably be my 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 first choice one A with uh, Gary Barnett being the one B, and my my actual number two choice would be Eric Bieniemy. Okay, I think Eric Bieniemy, even though I do have questions if you can coach in college, it's just speculation that he doesn't want to. Right until he comes out and says, "I'm an NFL guy, I'm not going back," we're just speculating. Okay, I I just worry about the other things, the recruiting, the the, the fact that you only have a certain amount of hours per week, you know, when he's just doing this all the time in the NFL. And and so that, that that's the whole thing is I think that that would be a huge hire for CU. I don't think he would take it if he's just going to be here for a year or two. You know, I don't think he's that kind of guy. So I, I would like to see Eric Bannemi. And as I did mention earlier, I think Troy Calhoun would be a good option. I think Brian Harson would be good options if... For some reason, Darren Chivarini doesn't work out, which I would prefer that over anyone else, or you know, Gary Barnett, or any of these other ones. I think Brandon Troy Calhoun, or or, or even you know Bull from uh, uh, Wyoming, those aren't the worst options. They bit Brian Harson, right? They've been around. They know how to win. They know how to run a program. But is that the best long-term solution for CU? I'm not so sure. So I think that Darren Chivarini, Gary Barnett, and Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy are kind of my three there towards the top right now that I wouldn't mind CCU hiring. And I think for the most part, just about all the names that you, we, we just went through there, I, I think would do a good job coming in, and I don't think you'd see a major step back on the field. I think you would continue to build. I think you could feel good about the direction CU is going over the next couple of years. I just think for the most part, most of those guys, you, you have a ceiling. There's a ceiling. There's They're only going to take you so far. So then you're looking two, three, maybe five years down the road 
doing the same thing, going through the same process again. Whereas a guy like Darren Cheverini, I think he's in his early 30s. He's got a lot going for him, and he's proven a lot in his short time with the Buffs. I think he's only been with the Buffs for like three or four years now. Yeah. He's done a lot on the recruiting trails. I think if that if that works. It can be the best long-term solution for the Buffs. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time we give Shiv a shot. You never know. Overall, though, screw you, Mel Tucker. We didn't want you here anyway. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Never liked you anyways. <laughs> Go have fun in East Lansing. All right, that does it for the off-season edition of the Buffs Nation podcast. Folks, stay tuned on uh, Facebook. Give us a follow at Buffs Nation podcast. Uh, we'll be launching our Twitter here soon as well, but... We just hope, wish that the team makes the best choice here. You know, I think you guys agree with us. Let's do the best thing for the program and get everyone headed in the right direction. For Jared All, I'm Tyler Walgy. Everyone, have a nice couple months. We hope we get some good news back from CU and what's going on right now in their hiring process. So let's go, Buffs. We'll talk to you soon on the Buffs Nation podcast.